Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at in today's show. Show 94. Out and about at Gadget Show Live London. Our first look at the BT Home Hub 5. Google's plans to automate Facebook and Twitter. Pete and Kelly go to the races, sort of. Plus, your comments on super slow British broadband. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. Headline time, starting with the news that View TV has launched. This new digital TV service offers 13 channels that can be viewed on Freeview HD TVs and set-top boxes, with channels including Comedy Central, Lifetime, MTV, CNN, History, Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. The price? $6.99 a month, with no long-term contract. View TV can be found on Freeview 238. Catch our interview with View TV in our November show. Next, Digital Radio. Ahead of the December 16th announcement about the future of the UK radio switchover, Minister Ed Vasey has confirmed that there won't be an FM switch-off until listeners are ready, adding that the UK won't be pushed to a digital switchover date. Staying with DAB, it seems that Ofcom may be announcing a second national commercial multiplex next year, in a bid to stimulate more desire for DAB radio. Local TV news now. The first of the UK's 19 local TV stations started at the end of last month. Estuary TV serves North Lincolnshire and East Yorkshire from studios in Grimsby and can be found on Freeview Channel 8. Console news now. The PlayStation 4 and Microsoft's Xbox One went on sale last month, but don't expect to get one this year. Both consoles sold a million within 24 hours of launch. Those pre-ordering their PS4 with Amazon after the 13th of November won't see their new console in time for Christmas. Next, well done to the plucky little FunCube 1 satellite. This tiny handheld satellite went into orbit last month and plans to make it easier for schoolchildren to listen to and decode messages from space. FrequencyCast managed to receive these signals on the Cube's second orbit, making us one of the first stations to decode and upload the signals to the Cube's controllers at Bletchley Park. Users of Sky's 999 Now TV box will be happy to discover that content from Channel 4's 4OD service is now available, joining catch-up content from the BBC and Channel 5. Next, could the Yola be the start of something big in the mobile phone world? It's just been released in Finland and uses the Sailfish operating system. This was the OS being worked on by Nokia before they shifted to Windows. Sailfish has been revived by former employees of Nokia to show the world what might have been. Next, Amazon has started rolling out a new currency to the UK. Amazon Coins has launched, offering a new way to buy apps and games for the Kindle Fire. As part of the launch, Fire users have been given £4 worth of Amazon coins to get started. Amazon's hinted that its new virtual currency could soon be used to buy DVDs and books as well. 
And finally, staying with virtual currency, please send your positive energy to James Howells. Tidying his desk drawer, he threw out an old laptop hard drive, unaware that he'd used it to mine bitcoins, a rapidly growing digital currency. In the early days, his 7,500 electronic coins only had a small financial value, but as the currency has gained traction, the value is now over £4 million. James has tried to track down the hard drive at his local landfill site in Newport, but the words needle and haystack have meant no joy. A quick reminder, when you finish listening to this show, it's time to back up your hard drive, just in case. Thanks, Pete. For more TV and tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Frequencycast show 94. Hello, Kelly. You're looking well. I am. How are you, Pete? Not too bad. Getting very excited about all this technology stuff we've got to talk about. Oh, I know. It's a good list. It is indeed. And of course, we've got to start off by talking about what we did last month. Gadget Show Live. Did you have a nice time? Oh, I had a great time. I think it was so much better than the year before. It was. It was bigger. It was at Earl's Court this year instead of at uh, XL. Lots and lots of good tech there, wasn't there? We had a good time. And uh, you did a few silly things, didn't you? Oh, of course. Well, you kind of push me into those every time. Anytime we go out, to be honest, it's usually a, well, you go and have a go at anything that's going to make you look a little bit foolish when you fall off. And of course, there is a video up on the website which shows all sorts of uh, shenanigans at uh, Gadget Show Live Christmas. So uh, do have a look on the website for the video review of uh, what we got up to there. Let's just hear from uh, the lady herself, Pollyanna. She's lovely, isn't she? Oh, Pete, look how excited you are. And this isn't even meeting her. You should have seen his face face when he was with Pollyanna. It was like all of his Christmases had come at once. It's Polly from Gadget Show. Hello, Polly. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, very good. How's the preps going for today's shows? I think we're nearly there, which is a good thing because we're about to go live on stage. And how much practice do you have to do for these live shows? We have quite a lot of practice. Yesterday was about a 13-hour day. I uh, managed to have about three run-throughs. Uh, first time on the stage, though, was yesterday. Uh, the day before, we have a good day, probably about another seven or eight hours going through scripts. And then we have another read-through day of about another five hours going through scripts. Um, and for me and Jason to stop messing about. So it takes a little bit of time, but it's all worth it. We are really looking forward to our first live show. Oh, she's lovely, isn't she? You've got to admit, she is lovely. Oh, Pete, seriously, you're like beaming from ear to ear. You should look like that when you come and see me, you know. I do, look. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not the same. It's not quite the same. Ah, uh, well, we also spoke to Jason Bradbury. My smile wasn't quite as wide, although it was quite wide because, of course, he's an amateur radio chap. Indeed. It was very, very interesting to talk to him about the hobby. Obviously, we're both um, amateur radio people ourselves, so it's nice to find somebody that's in the industry and actually still championing it. I use my um, radio amateur knowledge all the time, you know. Building all that stuff over the years as a radio amateur is what really got me the job here. I was able to, like, you know, use my electronics knowledge to build things like the phone glove and things like that. Okay, but you don't get a lot of chance to get on the radio these days? No. I've got three children and about 14 different jobs. But I'll get back to it, if only for my two sons, because I think it's really important for them to, you know, understand radio. Because it's the basis of everything, you know, it's just so interesting. It's like any modern gadget, really, now you know, involves all the components that you learn about when you do your, you know, your radio licence. Excellent. Well, Kelly here has just been on the, a trial to do her foundation, so she's fully licensed now. That's mad. How's it going? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did really enjoy it. I did it in a weekend, so it was um, quite intense and quick. It's so fun, isn't it, when you can, like, tune into, you know, some Morse code coming out of, like, Europe or Russia or somewhere. It's just the coolest thing ever. 
Did you actually spend a lot of time doing it back in the day? I was obsessed with it actually. It's all I was bothered about. I had loads of different, you know, aerials on my roof, and and I had a Yagi and all kinds of other things for different, you know, frequencies and bands. I I loved it. It was brilliant. So there you go, amateur radio. Without it, he wouldn't be on the telly now. How cool! I know, fantastic. So we took lots of interviews. Uh, we've got a little list of interviews that we took here. We looked at a uh, a light switch timer that's rather clever, didn't we? We did indeed. And a uh, doorbell that has a range of anywhere in the world. That's clever. It was very clever. Um, not too sure on the range of uh, songs that came with it. Uh, there's a little gadget that you clip to you that tracks your life. That is cool. We definitely want to talk about that one. Uh, the jack pen, which turns your iPhone into a real ink pen. Well, that was one of our favourites of the day, actually. Just the, the tiniest, tiniest little gadget and so useful. Absolutely. And cheap as well. Uh, the rowing machine and... Uh We'll discuss who won that one later. Mm-hmm. The eye gear, the jackets that you put your uh, your gadgets in, that is very cool. And a possible solution to uh, the expensive printer ink problem. Now, I'm talking to a chap called Ricky from, I think it's Filling, is that right? That's correct, yes. Now, today here at Gadget Show, you're selling a brother printer uh, for, for how much? We're selling it for $199.99, but it comes with a set of R cartridges which last the lifetime of the printer and they do 4,000 pages on a single fill. Right, now this is where it gets interesting, because obviously you can pop down to your local Curry's, pick up a printer for 30 or 40, 50 quid, but you're constantly filling it up with ink, because you get tiny little ink tanks that have these little chips in that force you to buy lots of ink. So I'm guessing here the difference is the printer's slightly more expensive, but you can save a lot of money on the ink, is that right? That is correct. However, you don't pay a lot more for our technology. If you were to buy this printer off the shelf, it costs £130 anyway. So you're paying an additional £70 for our technology with all the ink. But you're quite right. The cheaper the printer, the more expensive the ink cartridges are. And the cheaper the printer, you usually get a test cartridge, which is designed to do maybe 10 pages or so. And then you'll be buying cartridges within the first day anyway. Okay, so, so talk money here. What we've basically got is four tanks. And the idea is you top these up yourselves. Question number one, though, is is this a messy business, squirting ink all over the place, that kind of thing? To be completely honest with you, if you're going to refill anything and you're not careful and you get a tiny bit of ink somewhere, it's going to be messy. However, the bottles that we supply have a spout on. There's no need for any syringes or anything like that. Okay, so one obvious question here. Manufacturers don't like you buying ink cartridges that aren't the official manufacturer's cartridges. And there's all these scare stories that if you fill these yourself, you're going to damage their hardware. Any danger with your solution? No, for the Brother printers, we have an ink that we've formulated so it works with the Brother print heads. The reason the manufacturers don't like you using other inks is because they make so much money selling their own ink cartridges. Absolutely makes sense. So we're talking here savings for your pocket and also savings for the environment? Yeah, that's correct. A full set of continuing cartridges lasts about the same as 48 individual cartridges that went up in landfill. When the continuing cartridges eventually run out, you simply buy four bottles of ink to top it up and they're 100% recyclable for your normal household waste. Can you give me a feel for what kind of money people are saving by going down this particular route? Well, it it does depend on what their existing solution is because all printers are different. But I would be shocked if they don't save 50%, but most of our customers save between 70 and 85% using our solution. If you want to find out more about these, where can we direct people? Well, you can go on our website, which is Filink, that's F-I-L-L-I-N-K.co.uk, or you can give us a call. We're open Monday to Friday. It's 0208 560
Also at Gadget Show Live, we saw some other stuff. The Office Chums, you loved those, didn't you? Oh, I do. And honestly, it makes me smile every time I look at my desk. So what is an Office Chum? Well, an office chum is kind of like little pet gadgets for your desk. Literally everything you could possibly want. So whether it's an extension lead, an additional plug, even uh, USBs and a portal. Oh, it's just, oh, it's fabulous. And they're just as little pigs or mice. So what you've got is a four port USB hub, which looks like a pig. And the USB dongle bits that go in, what are they? They're little piglets. So you've got four suckling piglets and the uh, the mains plug tail things are quite cute as well, weren't they? They're not out yet at the moment, I don't believe, but I can't wait to get one. They had one there that was a prototype and it had been done on a uh, 3D printer and uh, it looked really cool. So we'll be returning to Office Chums very soon, no doubt. Also, a big shout out to the touchscreen clean guys. They're lovely. We see them at every show we go to. They're always there and they have the perfect cleaning fluid and cleaning cloth to get your touchscreens and your tablets clean. They're a lovely bunch, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. And if, if you ever end up passing them or see them, their demo is fantastic. I mean, we've seen it now probably a few too many times, but we still ask to see it again. And the other shout out goes out to uh, Daz and Peter, who uh, used to help out with the swap watches, if you remember the swap watches that Carl was in love with. Yes, I do. And now they're doing a range of these little things, the Yells, which are portable power supplies for your portable gadgets. And they're really cute, aren't they? You've got the purple one, they're very sexy. Oh, of course. As if I wasn't going to go for purple. I have to admit, though, I've been using this quite a lot and it really is very, very, very useful for me. So there you go. That's Gadget Show Live at Christmas. Very, very good show. And uh, as I say, more up on the website, including a video of Kelly on a unicycle. Oh, fabulous. Okay, time to talk wireless routers now. And Kelly, we had a question in from Darren Nay. Yes, he asks... Any chance you could do a review on one of your shows of the new BT Home Hub 5 that just came out the other week? I'm using Home Hub 3 with the OpenReach modem and have about seven months of my 18-month Infinity contract to go. Yes, BT has launched version 5 of their very popular Home Hub that you can only use with the BT broadband service. We've got one. Kelly, let me just hand this to you. Thank you. And uh, let me hand you the Home Hub 4 as well. Put that down on the desk there. Let me give you number 4. Now, tell me the difference. Well, they basically look exactly the same, but one has a black strip running across it and one has a blue. Yeah, they do look very, very similar. It's modelled almost exactly uh, on the four. The one with the blue strip is the five and the old one is the black one, which is the four. That's physically the only real difference there. But under the hood, there's quite a lot of differences. Let's go through them, shall we? Oh, go on then. So the first real difference is this is a proper infinity modem. The 4 used to have to connect to the OpenReach modem, which was this white box that you had as well. So now it's all in one box, no need for two, and it doesn't take up two main sockets, which is a real bonus. Also, it uses dual-band smart technology, which switches between 2.4 and 5 gig Wi-Fi, and it uses the latest 802.11ac technology, as well as smart wireless, which means it will choose the best Wi-Fi channel without having to go in and change the settings. It's also got a faster processor, can handle multiple devices in the house better. And if you look on the back there, Kelly, you'll notice the four Ethernet connectors. These are all now gigabit connectors, whereas before it was just socket number four that was. So there are some good improvements there. It may look the same. It's a nice stylish design. And of course, it fits through the letterbox. Effectively, it's a much better router for the same kind of price. That's good then. Why not upgrade? 
Well, they've actually made the upgrading very easy. If you want one of these, it's 49 quid. Also, Darren pointed out he was on contract and he wanted to upgrade. If he's prepared to recontract, in other words, take out a new 18-month contract, he'll get one for free. Oh, fantastic. Although he does have to pay the PMP. And uh, Darren, if you want to do that, go to the show notes and we will point you to how you can get one of these for the very low price of seven quid. Oh, fabulous. Now, Kelly, before we move on, a little news item popped up into my feed just as I was on the way to the studio today about Google patenting a new tool. Now, let me explain this to you because this is a bit of a weird one. It's a social media helper. Now, you're a big Facebook and Twitter girl, aren't you? I am indeed. And Pinterest. For the recipes? Yes, for the recipes. Well, for the images of the recipes, you don't get all of the description. And uh, what Google has identified in this patent is that we all spend so much time using social media, looking at things, commenting on things, sharing things, liking things, that it's getting too hard, too complex. Do you find that? It, It takes a long time. And if it takes too much out of my day, I've become a little bit slack in some areas. That's what they're getting at here, is it's so time intensive, spending all your time working out what to like, what to comment on, that they're trying to develop a helper which will learn what you like, what you respond to, and automatically respond to messages for you, so you don't have to. I don't like that. Now, you see, I do. I love the idea that it can filter somehow, so that you don't have to wade through 200-odd friends with all of their, do you like this, do you, you know, all, all of that stuff. This can automate some of the generic drudgery there. But you can automate it yourself. You can set favourites up on Facebook so different people come up higher in your newsfeed. I mean, to be honest, if you didn't want to see what people were saying, you can just defriend them in the same way that you don't have to follow people on Twitter. I don't want to defriend these people, but some of their posts are a bit, you know, not, not overly interesting to me. But there's some that I will always like and always read and others that I don't. I know you've got the favouriting element of it, but some tool that could actually say this is an important message like, I don't know, change of job, birthday push that to you in some way and automate that process I'd I'd be all up for that I've tried it with apps there's a few apps that kind of do all this sort of aggregating and filtering I've never found one that does it but this idea of automating some of it I don't know I can't see the logic no I think it's so lazy and mechanical social media was set up so that you could be sociable with people online I mean if you're getting somebody to basically tell you what you should be liking and commenting on It's done the job for you. The social element then has kind of gone. You're selling it to me. I know. I think, no, I really, I really, really do not think this should be out at all. I think if you really care about certain people above others and they tend to regularly post things that are of interest, then you can star them and make sure they're up there. Or you can just type in their Twitter handle and find out what they've been talking about. No, you see, just just press a button, let the computer deal with it. It's a lot easier. Listeners, if you have any comments on this one, set up your automated responders to send us a Facebook or Twitter message and tell us how you feel about automated stuff. I'm really, really, really angry with you for liking this. Can you imagine, on a professional level as well, if that was set up and you just randomly liked something that was actually quite detrimental, like if it was a news comment piece and they didn't quite understand the tone of the piece but they flagged it up because it's it, it should be of interest because you've said current news affairs is of interest and then you like like a tsunami... I'm sure there'll be a setting for that somewhere. I'm sure they can fix that. But no, you've got to admit, there's there's some mileage to this. It's a great idea. No, I'm sorry. We're going to have to disagree on this. Listeners, please wade in with your votes. Uh, send us a tweet or a message. Automated or manual. We don't mind. Great. <laughs> <laughs> 
And talking of being social, we had a nice day out the other day, didn't we? Well, you had a very wonderful day out. I had quite a confused day out. Let's find out what happened. Well, Kelly, never say I don't take you anywhere. Where are we? We're at Kempton Racecourse. And I am bitterly disappointed, Pete. When you said we was going to a race course, I automatically put on my frock. I've got my fancy hat out, my favourite heels, I tanned. I went to a whole load of effort. What tipped you off that this wasn't a day out at the races then? Well, it was so obvious. As soon as we drove into the car park, Pete, there was antennas coming from every single car. And now I just look like a right plonker. Oh, you look gorgeous. You could do a taking that strange hat thing off, though. Well, you try saying that to everybody else around here that's staring at me like I've completely lost my mind. They're only staring at you because you're the only girl in the village. That's true. (laughs) I have to say there have been very few female attendees today. So let's just explain where we are. Where actually are we then, Kelly? Well, it turns out we're at the Kempton Amateur Radio Rally. And you're so pleased to be here, aren't you? I just don't even know what to say to you, Pete. Next time you tell me you're taking me out, you can at least give me a bit of prior warning. The only other females here look like they're under real duress, you know. Well, you're enjoying yourself, aren't you? I have to say, I've seen some absolute wonders today. There's horseshoes. Not quite sure why you need them for anything. I've seen a few little cat books, a steamer. Oh, even some knitted toys. Yeah, but you're missing all the key important technology. This is where you can come to buy all your amateur radio equipment, all your second-hand avometers and all your radio books that you could ever want. And you were very tempted by that uh, toroidal transformer, weren't you? Oh, yeah, of course. I don't, yeah, definitely was. No, I mean, by the looks of things, there's everything you need here, really, isn't there? Everything you need to be well, in the hobby of amateur radio. So just describe the scene and the people that we're looking at here, Kelly. Really? Okay. <laughs> What we can see is literally like a row of stalls, like you would see at a boot sale. It's quite tight-fitting. I don't know whether it seems that way, because there are so many people here, and everyone's going around trying to get their bargains. You can get some bargains, but I think most of the time we just see a lot of people socialising and having a natter. The coffee area is pretty busy. You loved your hot chocolate, didn't you? Oh, that's the worst hot chocolate I've ever had. I was really looking forward to it as well, and I refused to get in that queue for another one. But no, I have to say, there is a lot of people socialising. I mean, to be honest, Pete, you've looked like the little social butterfly today, the amount of people that have come up to you. So it it seems like it's a nice day out to actually meet up with fellow amateurs. So do you mind if I just go off and find a box of 220 microfarad capacitors? Uh, No, that's fine. I'm going to go and find the bar. Frequency cast. Now loading. Interaction. Time for your questions and feedback. Kelly, who was first? Well, Ryan Appleby got in touch via Twitter about IPTV. He says, I can seriously see this being the future and taking over satellite or Freeview TV. I have scrapped Sky and Freeview now. Well, Ryan, I have to agree with you on this one. That does seem to be the way things are going, especially if you've got a really good broadband signal where you live. I must admit myself, I very rarely actually sit down and turn on live TV. And we had this discussion, didn't we, Kelly, before the show started, that uh, if you could choose either TV or internet TV, which one would you go for? I don't tend to watch a lot of live TV. It tends to be recorded from live TV, and that's the only time I really sit down and make a conscious effort. The only thing I do find, and maybe it's just on on some of the apps, 
is that it doesn't always have the content that I want. So I've gone on quite a few times as a real documentary lover and it's not been there um, and you can't get it any other way unless I load up a laptop, set something else up and it becomes a little bit of a pain. But I tend to find that it's only through the apps. Of course, uh, were you uh, watching the uh, Doctor Who 50th the other week? No, I wasn't watching that, strangely. I can almost guarantee that you were. You're not a David Tennant fan then? I'm not really a Doctor Who fan. I've seen about one episode and it terrified me. I think I literally watched the worst episode I could of. Lots of um, dolls or something coming to life shouting, I want my mommy. And it was just too much for me. Poor little person. Okay, but Ryan, yeah, I do tend to agree. Uh, IPTV is definitely the future. And uh, if I could pick one of the two, it would certainly be IPTV. Kelly, who did we get next then? The next one is from David Whittleston. He says, another great show. I was particularly interested in the broadband statistics. I must be one of the few people in the 8% group that doesn't have fibre optic and it's driving me insane. We currently receive speeds of up to 1 megabit per second. BT are constantly saying super fast fibre is coming to your area soon, but that was two years ago. There's so much content online like iPlayer and Netflix that I can't access. Any idea on how I can squeeze a bit more out of my appalling connection? Dave, I feel your pain. Unfortunately, there's not an awful lot you can do. The options open to you are switching to satellite internet, which is pretty expensive and not really convenient, or looking at mobile internet and 4G. But of course, that then assumes you're in a decent area for that as well. Yeah, I've lived in an area that's really struggled with um, connection before, living in a small village in the middle of nowhere and nobody really wants to upgrade you. The only thing I did was I used to actually download what I wanted to watch at work and then take it back and play it there. I mean, it's not ideal, but it, it kind of sufficed for the time being. And sticking with the subject of the broadband speeds that we discussed in the last show, we also heard from Paul Caldwell. He says, surely 99% of the country needs to be able to get to 8 megabits before 50% get to 80 plus megabits or whatever it is. Those in the target areas probably already enjoy a choice of two 20 plus megabit suppliers and will get 4G before the rest can download a film without buffering. Big businesses in charge of policy again. Very true, I do kind of agree and like the previous question there getting a decent broadband connection rather than the uh, those in the best areas getting the best speeds it does need to be sorted and um, yeah I do get the feeling this is a money maker for the big businesses rather than providing a service for those out in the sticks yeah absolutely I think you have to fix the the problems before you start moving forward so that everybody's kind of at the same level well said also in the last show we had a question about how to connect a macbook to a tv and we heard this suggestion from mark garnett Another option for not-too-old Macs is to install Mavericks and make use of the AirPlay display mode. Sam would need an Apple TV. The HDMI cable goes from Apple TV to the back of the TV. The MacBook can then use AirPlay to show whatever's on the TV. Good suggestion there, Mark. He also says regarding local usages on mobiles, if your smartphone is out of contract, look at the 3SIM0 deal. This is really hidden away on 3 site, but it's a 30-day rolling contract, so no long-term commitment. Uh, you do need to opt in to get the data, 2 gig, £5 a month. And it can also be used for tethering. So a pretty nice deal there, Mark. And we'll include a link to the SIM0 deal on our show notes. Kelly, who's next? 
Next, we've heard from Ian Coxall. He says, I have an issue with iPlayer and full screen. If you examine the picture, you can see that there is a border to the right and bottom. I have not been able to find anything within Flash Player that will sort this. Yeah, I'd not heard of this one before, but I did a bit of Googling for Ian here. What I found uh, as a main suggestion is to try changing browser. The Firefox browser seems to handle full screen iPlayer a lot better, so that's worth a go. Also, have a try with the Chrome browser. If you do want to stick with IE, the other suggestion is using IE10 in Tile World Metro mode instead of the desktop mode, which should hopefully get around the problem. There you go, an easy fix. Indeed. And last but not least, we heard from Alan Polkey. He says, Have any of your listeners heard any complaints about the Roberts i83 streaming radio slow or not finding connection? No, not heard any complaints about the Roberts i83 streams. If you have, please get in touch and we'll share it. Indeed. That is it. Kelly, thank you very much for your help today. Oh, always a pleasure. If you have a question or a comment that you'd like to send in to us, we would love to hear from you. You can do it a number of different ways, can't you, Kelly? You can indeed. You can call us and leave us a voicemail. The number is 0208 133 4567. Or you can drop us a text on 07882 043 521. Or, of course, you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our site. Or, of course, if you've got Facebook and Twitter and you don't automate, you can send us a message via the social networks. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. It'd make us feel loved. Tara, till next time. Bye. Frequency Cast. Shut down in progress. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Frequency Cast. Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends. Frequency Cast.